The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferver. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hi everybody, I hope you're well and I'm so excited because Holly is back. I'm back. <laughs> She's here, I'm so glad you're here. Where have you been? At home, I really haven't been anywhere. I've been quarantining and sheltering in place. Quarantining sounds like I'm martiniing, but it's not as fun. <laughs> it's not as sexy, it's not as good. Tell me, you have been busy though, you have yeah. because you work for CNN. Tell us a little bit about what's where CNN is right now, where you are right now, I mean, with everything that's been happening in the last week. And we are going to talk a little bit about this before we talk about the experience that you've had with both of your dogs and their illnesses that you have, um, you know, they've been diagnosed, both were diagnosed with cancer and the way that you have been dealing with that. And the, I mean, we've got to talk about Kashmir first and then we'll talk about Barnsley, Kashmir being the miracle dog. Right. But, um, but also, if, I, if we can begin with talking about what's been happening at CNN. Oh, it's been crazy. Yeah, you know, um, well, first of all, this whole quarantine, we left the offices like on March 13th is the last time. So we've all mostly been working from home. There are people in the building, um, people who are like, you know, in the control rooms, master control, people who have to be there to run equipment. But everybody who can work from home is working from home. So um, I've been doing live shots uh, from my guest bedroom and I've been doing a lot of stuff at home, you know, packages and stuff that I could do at home. Um, I do mostly travel news. So I've been doing a lot though with coronavirus first, um, you know, when is it safe to travel? What the future of flying? Uh, you know, what will restaurants look like in the future? Where will people go this summer when states open up? When, you know, pool, uh, you know, safety, things like that. So um, that's been really interesting and challenging, but I'm not going to lie. I like, you know, not wearing pants. So, I mean, I'm wearing shorts. I shouldn't say I'm not wearing pants, but, you know, I'm getting to wear sweatpants. I look nice on the top. I've got a nice blazer on or a blouse. I put makeup on, but let me tell you, <laughs> I'm not wearing shoes either. So that's been great. Um, so been doing that pretty much and keeping myself busy that way. Um, and I've been doing a lot of walking because I'm trying to walk off my coronavirus snacks. I have a drawer. It was full. <laughs> I keep filling up. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Hard. It's really hard not to when you're at home all the time and you're you go into that fridge and there's just all of the bad stuff there as well as the good stuff. I mean, you shouldn't buy the bad stuff. But I, I keeps I, appearing. I the bad stuff. <laughs> the bad stuff keeps appearing. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, and and what doesn't help is that. My husband's office is really in our guest room, and so um, I made my office in the kitchen, which was probably a misstep to begin with, but um, I, you know, anyway. So it's been great. Yeah, and I've been doing puzzles like they're my job, too, so that's been good, though, and preventing Alzheimer's, I say. And then recently, you know, um, gosh, what's, what's, if it wasn't a difficult year already, what a painful week, a uh, couple weeks we've had. It's just... Um, it's, it's just unfathomable that we're going through this again. 
and it's so, um, it's frustrating. It's frustrating for everybody and it's sad and it's difficult and I, I get angry. I get sad about it. You know, um, when they rioted in Atlanta downtown, they defaced CNN Center. And, you know, um, for me personally, I've worked there for 30 years. This is my 31st year there. And to see that, um, first I was angry and then I got sad because that's my life, you know, and I understand and I, and I empathize and I sympathize. I think protesting, there's validity in that, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there are some people who are bad actors and that's unfortunate. Um, where you cross the line, when is the line crossed, where is the line? That, there, there's a lot of questions out there, but I, I understand. It's just very painful and I know, I feel it for people, you know, businesses are being destroyed, especially in this, you know, uh, this, 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 this economy right now where people's lives are being destroyed with, you know, unemployment or barely making it, restaurants that are doing everything they can to do takeout and delivery and, and things like that. And then to have their, their businesses, you know, just destroyed um, in an economy that's going to be very difficult to recover. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, to talk about the, the, the core of it and, you know, there is injustice in this, in this world. Unfortunately, there is a lot of racism in this country and it's just wrong. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that finally people in Washington will hear and people around the country will speak and not only speak their voices, but speak their voices with their votes, because I think we, things have to change. They must change. They, for, for not only for the good of everybody, but it's, it's, it's imperative for, for us to change. It, we can't keep going on like this for good reasons. This has been, uh, the last week or so has been, it's been outrage. It's outrage mixed with sorrow. And um, living in Atlanta, living in the city of Atlanta, like I do, for the first time, the last two nights, we've been living a lockdown. And we're not talking about lockdown as in you can't go out because of the virus. We're actually cannot go out after, sorry, I should say curfew. After nine o'clock in the evening, you can't go out in the city of Atlanta because of what's been happening. The strangest feeling. I was on my bike yesterday, late last night, and, or I should say sort of early night, late evening. And it was what, 8.55. I was probably 10 minutes from home. I got scared. I was like, I have to cycle very fast to get home. And that's so, so odd to have curfew in this city, in this great, great city, and to have protesters, everybody has the right to protest. But I don't, I, the, the violence itself is horrific, especially when it is destroying businesses that people have worked so hard to build and destroying organizations that work so hard to tell people's stories. And so, um, it's a very odd time, but I have to tell you that today I voted. Today I only voted, and there's some real empowerment in that. Mm -hmm. Going to the voters' booth and, and, and seeing actually how safe it was, I did in an Instagram Live because I wanted to tell people, look, it's okay. If, if you had um, delayed voting in your area and now you can go vote, go vote, do it. Of course, you can do mail-in ballots, but... I was so impressed with all of the proportions that they've taken. Well, 
I will tell you they're having problems with mail-in ballots too. And there's a lot of controversy around that. And that's the first thing we need to fix. Um, so many people are disenfranchised in this country. And there's a reason because there are many people who don't want people to vote. And every person 18 and older deserves the right to vote. And that's the first thing we need to fix. And if we can fix that, I think, you know, hopefully we can change. I mean, there's systemic racism in this country that's unacceptable. And, you know, it's a huge problem. It's a big problem. But we, you know, it, it's something that we can't just bury our heads under the sand and say, well, it'll be fixed. We've gone through this before. Remember Rodney King? And then I got quiet. Yeah, for a while. And then remember so-and-so and I got quiet. No, uh-uh. You cannot do that anymore. And, you know, my, my husband and I've had long talks about this. And, he, you know, he points out our country was built on a revolution, on, built on rioting. First, we had the Stamp Act and then the Tea Act. And you think about all the things, um, you know, unfortunately, violence and rioting and, you know, I don't think looting, but, you know, those things have, you know, we've been built on the basis and some people feel like that's all they can do to be heard. And it's to be heard. Nobody at the top is listening. Right. And that's the problem. And, I, you know, I, you feel helpless. You absolutely feel helpless. I do what I can. I, you know, I feel like being a journalist and trying to tell stories that are important is my little tiny contribution that I can do. Um, you know, and I look to people like our mayor, Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is just incredible, who has stepped up and she is one powerful woman. Same thing with Lori Lightfoot, the mayor in Chicago. These women are absolutely brilliant and they are, you know, and I hope that they can be our voice. I heard her speech the other day. She was addressing, um, addressing Georgia and uh, unbelievable, unbelievable as she was talking as a mother a mother of four children, a mother of four black children, an 18-year-old son, and she's calling her son and saying, where are you today? Mm -hmm. Do not go out. Do yeah. not. And telling people, rioters, go home. I mean, such power, such power, and so, well, such powerful words, I should say, really resonated with me. But... Um, so this is a tricky time for everybody, mm -hmm. regardless of where you live in the United Kingdom, they're fighting their own battles over there. Mm -hmm. But regardless of where you live, we're all fighting against this terrible virus. And I mean, I just think it heightens everything, but I'm there for the fight. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a pivotal moment. This is a pivotal moment, I think, in our history. And we got to stand up and we've got to speak out. We have to speak out and I'm going to. And if that means I lose followers, that's just the way it's going to be because I'm going to speak out for justice. I'm going to speak out for um, the right of all citizens to have fair and due process and to uh, be able to speak their mind and to be able to live in a fair and democratic society. And that's why you'll be one of my best friends till I die. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you, it's so remarkable though. And I, I you know, it, I, I consider myself lucky and privileged in some way to be able to live, to see something like this, to see what, you know, to see, to, to live through, you know, many, many generations, every generation has had very, especially earlier generations hardships. It's interesting to see, um, you know, 
how people adapt and how people do come together. And I like to find those good stories. And, you know, you can't ignore the bad stories, but I think also it has to be, it has to be, um, you know, acknowledged, right? And I think of all the healthcare workers, the doctors, the nurses, the EMTs, the firefighters, the policemen who are out there every single day during this and what they're doing to help other people, right? So there is still good. I know right now it is so hard because there are so many horrible, evil things happening. And a lot of that is underlying. But then, you know, you look and see how doctors and nurses around the world, scientists and people coming together and sharing, you know, we've got this test, we're working on this vaccine, we're working on, I mean, just, you know, globally, how we can all, um, you know, work together for, for humanity. And it's remarkable to watch. And I feel like we have, you know, we have a front row seat to history being made in many ways. I told that to my daughter who, you know, she, this has been hitting her hard and she is a, um, she's been quite vocal on social media as well. And she's trying to understand all of this and she wants to make a difference. And right. in her way, she will be able to make a difference. She can't vote yet, but she will be able to make a difference in other ways. Um, I work with the Wonder Dogs, which is down in South Atlanta, where we work with disadvantaged youth. I see firsthand uh, the obstacles and the challenges that they face every single day. And I think that's been um, really important to be able to experience that as well. But you see, the, the other thing is that, that that's, I, I stand up for journalists. I stand up for people like you that are putting yourselves out to tell people's stories and to st tell the story. And it does you injustice to call you fake news. Um, when uh, you and other journalists are putting their lives on the line, going out and telling us the stories. And so I feel very, that's what makes me angry. And that's what makes me very protective of my best friend, you Holly, that um, you are getting attacked by people who, who actually don't know what they're talking about and need to get out there themselves, maybe, and, and you know, try and make a difference. So, but, but you're right. Part of the things that I said to Alex was, my daughter was like, you are living in history right now. You are experiencing a turning point. You're experiencing something that has not been experienced in this country in, in the way that it has since 1918. And um, you'll look back on this and go, I lived that. So even though we can get down and it is hard sometimes to pull ourselves out of it, all the good that people are doing and the fact that you're actually witnessing history right now in front of you. I think we, if we look at it like that, I, I feel like we can get through it better. I'll be interested to see how it affects generations like your daughter, Alex, and my nephew, Logan, who is 10, 11. And, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, will we see more doctors in the future because they, they know these are our heroes, you know, Superman's great and Spider-Man's great, but these are real life heroes. Will this inspire um, the younger generations to say, holy smokes, this can happen and I want to be part of a solution and um, how they will interact with other people and how they will, you know, empathize and sympathize and how they will look at modern medicine and, you know, it's, 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 a, it's an interesting time that we're in and I hope I get to see the beneficial outcome from a lot of this. Um, you know, you, you always have those bad actors in, in anything, whether it's, you know, what's going on in our country socially, whether it's what's happening in um, the, the medical world. But in a lot of ways, 
you know, I, I was so happy and proud to see uh, even downtowns uh, all over the country with the Karens, you know, the Karens against violence, violence, you know, silent, I mean, against uh, silence, silence is violence, right? And, um, you know, seeing these, these people who, you know, you would never see the, these people I saw, you know, I, I, for as many good things, there are bad things again. But, you know, the, the police chief in Flint, Michigan, who said, I put down, I took off my helmet and I put down my batons. Let's not make this a protest. Let's make this a parade. Let's make people see us and hear us and walked with the citizens of Flint, Michigan. And Flint has gone through so much uh, with their with their their problems, the water and, you know, their citizens being, you know, sort of trashed on, uh, to put it lightly, um, by their government. And, you know, I, I love to see those stories. And I think those stories are as important to be told because I think that says a whole lot. You know, when you see, um, so, you know, an elderly woman who puts a sign in the window and says, it's my birthday and I'm out of beer. And then next thing you know, six cases of Bud Light show up at her front doorstep. I mean, freaking brilliant. And I love that. And even though it seems trivial, it shows you people do have the capacity to listen and people do have the capacity to reach out because we've become such a detached society. We're well connected, but we're so detached with our technological society. And I think this has forced us to rethink the ways that we can reconnect. And uh, lastly, before we, we start to talk about dogs, our favorite thing, um, <laughs> exactly. I put a shout out there to the, to the police officers um, that are, that help their communities and oh, put their lives on the line for their communities every day. Um, I had the distinct honor of working with many of them, filming Guardians of the Night, and they accepted me into their world and I learned a lot. And um, they're good, good people. And one of them wrote on a Facebook post, which I thought was amazing, he said, um, one of the things that good cops hate most is bad cops yeah. or are bad cops. And Please don't forget out there, even though you can be angry towards certain police officers that, um, and especially this person, uh, this officer who, who, who murdered George Floyd, but um, please don't, don't tarnish all of them uh, because they're good, good people. They're, most of them are good, good people that are working to keep you safe in your community. It's like anything. There are bad actors anywhere, and hopefully those are a majority. Same thing, dog trainers. You've got some brilliant dog trainers, and you've got some people who are not good. They do not use the right ways. They use dominance training, and we know how bad that is. So don't judge all dog trainers on those bad apples. And right. same thing, journalists. There are some journalists who are not great, you know, who do twist things and turn things and make it a personal agenda, but not every journalist. So you can't vilify any group for you know, one or two. And I think that's important. You're right. Absolutely. To remember, because let me tell you, you know, in, 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 I do think culture needs to change and I think lots needs to change, but I think there are so many good people out there. Um, you know, and I do appreciate all those good actors. Well, segueing into your good actors, good actors, my good actor. And I'll tell you my, the best actor, his name is Dr. Terrence Hamilton at Blue Pearl Veterinary Clinic. And I'm just going to call him out because he has saved my dogs. A quick break here to get in a word from this episode's sponsor, the Victoria Stowell Academy. Are you looking for a school that can teach you how to be a professional dog trainer? Interested in adding professional dog training services to your pet business? If you've done any research about dog trainer schools, you know that there are a lot of choices these days. Some schools force you to move to where the classes are held for weeks or sometimes even months. 
Others only teach certain training techniques exclusively or get bogged down in repetitive drills, which work well in the lab but don't always translate to the real world. Some even focus just on games, even for more serious anxiety-based behavior issues, while others employ dangerous and outdated compulsion-based methods that are based on since-disproven theories and the use of pain, intimidation, or fear. Renowned dog behavior expert Victoria Stilwell founded the Victoria Stilwell Academy for Dog Training and Behavior as an answer to one of the questions she heard most often following the success of her TV show, It's Me or the Dog. How do I become a professional dog trainer? The Victoria Stilwell Academy is founded on a simple mission, to create new generations of successful positive dog trainers around the world. Its flagship dog trainer course teaches students how to use the latest in behavioral science to help owners and their dogs achieve results through its elite combination of its premium content taught by the best faculty, using the most state-of-the-art technological platforms with the most comprehensive curriculum and the power of the most recent advances in the science of adult learning. No other dog training school offers what BSA can in terms of the flexibility of its hybrid learning models and its refusal to compromise on the commitment to comprehensive excellence. Every dog trainer course student is paired with a personalized faculty advisor to help guide them through the course via weekly video conference office hours. And every minute of the course content is delivered through engaging instructor-led videos and accompanying learning resources. Its flexible length allows students to learn from home at their own pace. And an optional premium add-on track is available for those who want to supplement their learning with in-person intensives, local mentor shadowing, and live webinar-style cyber classes. And rather than just focusing on one training style, Dog Trainer Course students develop a comprehensive toolbox while pledging to use only force-free positive dog training tools and methods as professionals. VSA also teaches human psychology for effective client interaction as well as accessible and actionable business marketing and branding so that students' business can reach their fullest potential. Not to mention, VSA students graduate as certified dog trainers with the prestige of the Victoria Stillwell Academy name and the power of Victoria and the Positively brand at their backs as they launch or expand their dog training businesses around the world. So if you're ready to get serious about having fun, turning your passion into your profession, and changing the world one dog at a time, the Victoria Stillwell Academy is the place for you. Enrollment coordinators are standing by to help you apply or answer any questions you may have. So visit vsdogtrainingacademy.com today and find out how the Victoria Stillwell Academy can help you chase your dreams of becoming a certified professional dog trainer. Again, that's vsdogtrainingacademy.com. vsdogtrainingacademy.com. The Victoria Stillwell Academy, the future of dog training. Now, tell us a little story. Well, tell us about um, stories on both of your dogs. Cashman first was diagnosed, gosh, over five and a half years ago. Five and a half years, and I can hear my husband going. Dog. I, yeah. I just tell people about her. I will. I, I could just hear my husband saying, so this is going to be a long story, um, but I will try and keep it short. So my dog, if I had known that she was going to be so expensive, I always tell people I would have had children because then at least I'd have someone to pick out my nursing home. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, Cashmere, you know, she's already, we're up close to $60,000 on her. I will tell you that is expensive. But as you know, this is dogs, animals, dogs, cats, rabbits, uh, lizards. They're not disposable. You don't have a pet for your enjoyment and your entertainment. You have them as part of, the fam of a family. Just like you wouldn't say to your child, yeah, I'm tired of feeding you and doing your laundry. 
you're out. Let's just send you to a shelter. You don't do that, right? You don't do that with animals. So my dog, she's been, um, she's had both her back knees replaced um, because she had a genetic condition because she's a pit bull, uh, American bulldog. So they call them bully pit. She's had other issues uh, ongoing over the years, but uh, five and a half years ago, it was February and my husband was out of town and all of a sudden she started acting weird. And to know the signs of pain in a dog is, is important. And you could tell everybody what the signs of pain are bad, better than I can. Well, I think one of the, one of the big things is uh, restlessness um, and uh, stop eating, shivering, shaking, trembling can be a sign of pain. Um, pain guarding one particular part of the body, licking, um, sometimes a, a, a biting can be a sign of pain. Uh, if you touch a certain area of the body or if you approach a dog, that you've touched before and it associates that your touch with pain, that those kind of things. So yes, they can be overt and panting as well as one of them. And that was like, she was panting and she was shivering and she was drooling. And when I tried to call her inside, she kept wanting to go outside and it was pouring rain and she wanted to sit outside. She was in pain. And so I thought, well, this is weird. So I took her to the emergency vet and just to let you know, this happened on a Sunday. So it took us until Wednesday. We, you know, back and forth to the vet. The vet kept her overnight. They couldn't tell what was wrong. Finally, they sent us to a specialist and said, you know, they've got better, you know, machines. Something is clearly wrong. So I had dropped her off at um, the specialist. They, um, and literally within 10 minutes, I was driving away and they called me and said, we did an ultrasound, uh, uh, an extensive ultrasound. And dogs have what the equivalent of an appendix is called a cecum. And her cecum had burst, like an appendix burst. Um, so they said, she needs emergency surgery or she won't make it. So I said, absolutely do what you have to do. So they said, well, look, you know, a lot of times this happens because of cancer and there could be masses in there, tumors. Just so you know, if we see a lot of tumors and it doesn't look like we can do anything, we're going to have to call you to, you know, let you make the decision. Do you want us to euthanize? Do you want us to close her up and give her pain meds? What do you want to do? So that was like the worst three hours of our life, you know, and they said, if you don't hear from us, we're doing surgery, it's going well. So that's truly no news is good news. So thankfully that night, the emergency room doctor, they were able to um, clean her up. They didn't see any masses. They saw that one mass had burst. And so, um, you know, she was fine. She spent three days in the ICU at, at, uh, at the dog hospital and they tested and it came back positive for, um, is it myelosarcoma? Myolyosarcoma. Um, I have to, you know, here, it's been so long. I have to, <laughs> I can't remember. It's basically, she has, um, she has uh, cancer of the soft tissue. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have, but I'm not a veterinarian. So. Okay, it's, it's lyomyosarcoma. So it's of the soft tissue. So basically it's around where the stomach is in the intestines and all that. So, um, they did, we did chemo with her and she reacted really well. And then we would go to the vet every three months for a checkup and, she, you know, fine. Then we moved it to six months, then it was once a year. And we thought, oh, great, it, the cancer did not spread. Um, well, after about two, two and a half years, she went back for a checkup and they, you know, were doing ultrasounds and they said, unfortunately, she now has many small tumors, many small masses. So they said, we can try the chemo again. We did it again. It didn't work. So he said there is a drug um, called Palladia. That's a drug. It's an uh, at-home chemo pill, and it's the drug of last choice. And just let me back up and tell you that this, um, this cancer has about a year to an 18-month um, survival rate. So um, 
we said, well, let's do it. You know, anything you have to do. And they said, okay, you know, it, it may give her a year or so, but as soon as those tumors start, okay, well, uh, that's three years ago. <laughs> I can't explain it. Um, the tumors, they, when they first started doing it, they shrunk 46%. They shrunk a little bit more. They grew a tiny bit. Um, chemo also um, can have uh, very negative side effects to the liver and the kidneys, which is why she goes once a month to get blood tests. Um, her creatinine levels were creeping up there, which meant her kidneys were being affected. And then they came right back down to normal. They keep going up and down to normal. Like the doctor said, I can't explain this. We've never, very rarely see this. She's a miracle dog five and a half years later. Unbelievable. Um, and I will tell you what I think a lot of it is. I also make her food. Yes, and you like do. And that's what I want you to tell people because I, uh, uh, you truly, you're cooking for her. And, and, and tell us that sort of the magic recipe. <laughs> well, we went to a dog nutritionist who look at what, looked at what kind of cancer she had and looked at her weight and looked at, you know, all of her test results. And um, we give her, um, she gets a combination, every meal of pulled pork or chicken, you know, like a, a, um, a healthy protein. Um, she was getting lentils, but as the creatinine levels went up, lentils have more protein than rice. So that's her carb. I do a mixture of vegetables, so I blend together. She usually gets zucchini, squash, um, red, yellow, orange peppers, and maybe sometimes broccoli, although it can cause gas, we've learned. <laughs> and, um, and then, um, honestly, I believe in a lot of it. Not only is she not get, really getting any processed foods, um, but um, she gets fish oil, um, curcumin, which is the anti-inflammatory property in turmeric, um, turkey tail mushroom, which is also another anti-inflammatory and, you know, diseases, cancers from inflammation. So I think that has a lot to do with it, but they specifically designed a meal plan for her. And she's been eating that ever since she stopped her chemo. You know, the, when she got out of chemo, we started this food and, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to make it. I'm not going to lie. It takes us a couple hours and I'll try and make enough for a couple weeks and put it in the freezer. And then when we're done, we just put a Tino's pizza in for my husband and I, because we're too tired. There have been times when we have no food and my husband's like, you want to just eat the dog food? The dog's food. Of but course. it's totally fine. So yeah. And I'll tell you since that, since then I have started taking curcumin and turmeric pills because I truly believe that anti, it can't hurt you. Right. And, and I'm not advocating any kind of medicine, but I'm just saying it's remarkable. So yeah. curcumin, I'm writing this down. And yeah, <laughs> I know about the turmeric. Yeah. Um, yeah. Curcumin yeah. is the anti-inflammatory property in turmeric. Yeah. So um, it, it, that's just incredible. It's incredible. She is, and she is the most divine um, dog. And, of course, the first time I met her, the first time I met you, was we actually <laughs> filmed an episode of It's Me or the Dog with you. She was not so divine then. She was, well, she was, she was a bit of a chewer, and she, she did like to chew your furniture and your sideboards and your rugs and your everything. Scare. And um, Yeah. Molding. <laughs> and but she's so that's when I met her, just a beautiful dog. And then of course there's Barnsley. Now Barnsley, we've spoken a lot about Barnsley throughout these podcasts, and of course he was there. I met him. Um, he was such a young dog when I met him when I filmed with you, which was gosh, how many years ago? About thirteen years ago, we filmed with you. Uh, well, it no, it, it was like oh. eleven, twelve. Okay. Yeah, because um, yeah, twelve, twelve and a half years ago. Yeah. Um. Because Barnes, yeah, they were just about a year, year and a half. Right. So Barnsley's still around. He is, he's a special dog. He's a coonhound. And, but unfortunately, he has just been diagnosed with cancer. Right. He's First 14. Have, yeah, well, he'll be 14 in July, yes. And she's uh, 12. She'll be 13 in a few months. So, but if you saw them, 
you know, you would not know they were, they're slow, but so am I. Um, but cashmere, she, you, we don't tell her she has cancer because she doesn't know and she doesn't act like it. People go, this dog has cancer. I'm like, I know, right? So she, it, and let me also tell you that chemo on animals does not affect them like it does humans. Only 10% of animals have the side effects that humans get, hair loss, nausea, fatigue. Um, my dogs, knock on wood, have not had that at all. Um, they don't get side effects uh, like we do. So a lot of people say, why would you put your dog through that? She thinks she's going on a field trip once a month. They give her treats there, you know, and she comes home. And so, yes. Yeah, so Barnsley, um, right into the quarantine, a couple of weeks into the quarantine, he stopped eating. He was kind of, you know, being kind of wobbly and he just didn't see him himself. And again, you would not know that these dogs were the age they were. Um, and he, let me tell you, his breath had gotten really, really bad. I mean, he'd always had some bad breath. We had his teeth cleaned a couple of times. We just thought maybe this is part of the breed, but it was really visibly, uh, not visibly, but uh, yeah. whatever. The, yeah, uh, there you go. It was bad. And um, so he just stopped eating after a couple of days and he's always been a thin dog and he lost a lot of weight. I kept saying, something's not right. He seems really, really thin. I called my vet and my vet said, you know what? Take him immediately over to Blue Pearl. I think they suspected it was cancer. So they did testing and sure enough, it turns out he has lymphoma um, and it already spread to the liver and the spleen. Wow. So um, they, and he also had an infection in his um, intestines. So they weren't sure if it had spread to the intestines or not. So they put him on antibiotics. I'm going to tell you what was very interesting is that, and I'm not a vet, so I don't know details of this. I probably should talk to my vet more, but um the antibiotics cleared up his bad breath immediately. And even before, for years, he's been had bad breath. So I don't know if he's had some kind of bad bacteria, bacteria and yeah. it out. Yeah. But yeah. now we can look at him and he can pant and we don't want to pass out. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we talked to the doctor and they did, um, they found out what type of lymphoma it was. And he said the type it was really usually reacts well to the chemo. So we decided we would do that with him. We had such great success with cashmere. Um, realistically, he's going to be 14 and they say this will extend his life a year to 15 months. But our attitude was, look, if, if, um, you know, this will give him a good quality of life and it's not, you know, extending any, his life just for us, let's try it. So they're doing what's called a Wisconsin protocol with him. He goes, he has 16 treatments over 25 weeks and, um, knock on wood, he's been we had a slight scare because he had a little reaction to one of the um, chemo drugs they gave him and it was just, the dosage was too high. But after that, he's been fine. Um, and again, you would never know he has cancer. You would never, he wants to go for walks. He, you know, and, and he's I will eating well you, again and he's eating like a, like a king. He gets egg, omelet, egg and, and, and turkey omelets in the morning. He gets a peanut butter sandwich snack in the afternoon. He still, I give him high quality kibble. I tried Kashmir's food with him and he liked it at first, but then he was like, eh, he wanted his kibble. And I'm like, you know what? You're going to be 14. That's what you want to eat. That's what you eat. But it's been quite the journey. Um, and I consider myself very, very fortunate that we can afford to do it because it's not cheap. And it's unfortunate that it's so expensive um, because I think it, it would be great if it was more accessible to people because I'm sure there's people making gut-wrenching decisions all the time about whether or not to let go of their dog because they can't afford the chemo. Um, but um, they've both done really well on it. It's been a lot of up and down, and I will tell you, it's it's pushed us to the brink um, many times financially, but, you know, these are living beings, and everything else is a 
is stuff. If I have to sell my house and move into an apartment, it's things, it's stuff. It's not a living being. So, you know, knock on where we're not there, but I understand, you know, so we've been very lucky in that way. And they seem to be doing great. They're both pains in the asses again. So <laughs> <laughs> they're awesome. They're awesome. Auntie Vicky loves them. Um, if you had any sort of words of advice for people that are going through um, their dogs have been diagnosed with cancer or they're living with their dogs that, that, uh, that have cancer, what, what would your advice be? You know, I know it's a tough decision to make. And like I said, financially, it's a very tough decision and it, it puts people in a very rough situation and you should not feel guilt if you can't afford it or you can't do it. I, I think, you know, we as, as, as dog uh, parents uh, or even cat parents, animal parents, um, we want the best for them. They're our children and we give them the best life we can. Um, if you do have the extraordinary means to be able to do something like this, um, you know, I, I would say just there's nothing, you know, don't make anyone feel bad, make you feel bad about it. I've had people say, I can't believe you're spending that kind of money. Why don't you donate that to children or what? And I think don't, no judging, no See, judging. I don't, yes, these are my children. And um, if you decide to do that and people, I can't believe you're spending that kind of money. Well, you know, look in your closet. How many pairs of shoes do you have that, you know, I get it. But also too, it's about the quality of life for the dog. And we decided the minute that they were not living their best lives and we're not keeping them alive for just us. And if the minute that the chemo wouldn't work, um, you know, or they were having difficulties with it, forget it. You know, it's about making them comfortable and giving them the best life. So you know, listen to your dog or cat or, you know, pet. And, and, um, you know, there's also resources. There's a lot of people, you'd be surprised how busy he is. The dog oncologist, he's packed. I have friends who see him with their dogs. So um, there's communities out there and there's families. And I definitely recommend nutrition, looking at nutrition, because I do believe um, the reason cashmere is a miracle dog, a lot of it has to do with that nutrition. It's also the type of cancer she has. It's a slower growing cancer unlike Barnsley's lymphoma, which is a faster growing cancer. But I do believe like five and a half years, they told me a year to 18 months. So I think Holly, you give people hope. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I mean, um, that's why we do these podcasts is to give people, um, you know, share our experiences and educate people as well and tell them, hey, you're not alone. If your dog's got behavior issues, you're not alone. There's help out there. There's support out there. And so um, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but um, if you've got any final thoughts, let me know. Yeah, and I do want to tell people that if they want to email me and ask me questions, use me as a resource, a support system, I would be happy to talk to anybody and everybody. With my, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a vet. I'm not even an animal behaviorist or a trainer, but um, I would be happy to talk to you about my experience and, and try and help you find resources um, because we've been – you know, going through it. So I believe in, in, in our community. Right. And um, so I'm here to help anybody just email. If you want to email through the, through Vic's website, um, I will get them, um, you know, and I, I have no problem giving out my personal email as well to help people. So whatever you need, I gotcha. I Thank hope. You, Holly. Oh my God. It's so lovely to have you back again. And we- now we can, now we've done this, we can continue in this and do weekly, our weekly podcasts again. We so- do some guests and people that would like to come on the show so but with with zoom it's fantastic because we can do it like this we can be safe and yet um we can we can do a three-way conversation um and do have, it have a guest as well so thank you so much for coming oh. on the podcast are we not going to talk about our chiggers Oh, oh. <laughs> maybe next podcast should we talk about that on the next podcast because oh, i have a lot of questions about chiggers 
Maybe, maybe we, yeah, we will, but I am itching so much. Yeah, Holly and I went hunting and with my daughter and we all got chiggers. And for those of you who don't know what chiggers are, we're going to, yeah, we're going to talk about that more next podcast, but I'm telling you, these, these itch so bad <laughs> and they bite and they itch and we all have welcome them. To the South. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the South. The I'm South. a girl from Chicago. I was like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> well, we did. We went on a six and a half mile hike. So, um, and it was really beautiful. It's what we needed and it was really beautiful. So we were safe, yeah. social distance, masks, all that. And uh, I feel better except for yeah, the chairs. Exactly. Me too. Well, thanks, Holly. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Yes, I look forward to it. All right, everybody, take care. Thanks so much for joining us with this podcast. Keep, keep safe, keep healthy, and, uh, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. <laughs> <laughs>